Hey everyone, I'm DJ. And I'm Ish. And we're the hosts of the, the Pero, Pero Let, Let Me Tell, Tell You podcast. podcast. So what is the Pero Let Me Tell You podcast? Well, it's two lifelong friends from Miami discussing current events, news, politics, and pop culture. In a nutshell, we talk about anything, everything, and absolutely nothing, just like you and your friends, loque with a healthy dose of Spanglish. And we interview the best Latin personalities around. Ah, oh, like actress Melissa Fumero. And don't forget Harvey E. Ying from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh my God. And the Olympic gymnast Daniel Leva. We got to hold his medals. Yes, we did. And then, of course, the one and only, my personal favorite dream guest, Gina Torres. Oh, an absolute goddess. But I mean, honestly, there's just too many guests for us to list. The important thing is, we're always putting the spotlight on the Latin community because we truly do believe representation matters. Así que, check out Pero Let Me Tell You podcast on all podcast streaming platforms today, with new episodes dropping every Friday. And I really mean every Friday, people. <laughs> oh! And don't forget, your croquetas, your pastelitos, and, and your cafecitos. Cafecito. Hey, Carmen. Hey, Frida. What's up? Uh, well, this is the last episode of the season. Season four. I know. I can't believe it. We have four seasons, number one. And number two, we're finally finishing our fourth season. That's insane. I've had so much fun. I love making seasons. I love getting to reflect at the end. Um, I like thinking about what we've what we've done in the course of a season and think about some themes that have come out. Yeah, one of the things that I was thinking about is this idea of reconnecting with culture. I mean, not to not to be all like full circle and meta and whatever here, but uh, but yes, but yes, Come but on, yes, Cameron. right? Of course, like we are trying to be full circle and meta. Oh my god, that's the whole point of this. <laughs> yes. So we started off this whole podcast with our first episode ever called Oigo, where we were talking about what it's like to talk to our family in Cuba because that was such a novel thing for us two years ago. Like to consider the fact so that even true that was novel exactly two years oh, ago. Shit, just talk- that's not novel anymore. It's not now we can easily talk to our our families now we have easy communication with the island it's wild and so there's videos on facebook live being streamed from protests on the island like what the heck I know. And this whole process, this whole journey of making a podcast that was kickstarted by reconnecting with the island and our family has me thinking a lot about what it means to reconnect with culture. And I think that that's been a huge driving force for us the whole way through. And there's some pretty difficult topics within that whole mess of reconnecting to your culture specifically for Cubans it's not as simple as being like here are some holidays and here's some dishes that we make that's all good and peachy but we started this whole process because we noticed growing up that many times when we asked our parents and our family members to tell us about this place this country that we left behind we were oftentimes met with resistance like not a lot of people want to talk about what things were like and I realize obviously now it's because it's incredibly painful to dig up the past as we have been telling you for four seasons (laughs) it's really messy And there's like this concept of the past and the experiences that our parents had there. But there's the fact that we've been, you know, all all along separated, at least physically, from this country as it continues to have major events and history and as culture develops on an island while we're away from it. All the while we're developing a like Cuban-American identity in a place like Miami with such a distinct particular identity on on its own and so it's there's a couple of different like points of reacquaintance there's like considering a reacquaintance with the island considering a reacquaintance with our history 
And also a reacquaintance with like what it meant to grow up Cuban American in Miami, this like place with this big personality. And so these are all kind of reacquaintances that only happen because there's a, there is an initial rejection. Many of us are familiar with the concept of having at some point rejected our Cuban or Cuban American identity. And that also begs the question, what does exile mean? We talked about it a lot with Carmen Palais in, in that episode, but I think that to me is still a big question that I continue to think about because I have never personally considered myself to be living in exile, but I know that the community at large continues to see themselves that way. And I think the thing for me is that to be living in exile means that you look forward to a day when you can return. And I think I've had the luxury and the privilege, and you also had the luxury and the privilege of not having to think about that because we have been able to to pave the way forward for ourselves here in a way that maybe some people who left behind a lot, who worked really hard to pave the way for themselves in Cuba had to give up that dream. And it's, it's incredibly difficult to give up on your dreams. Exile is an attachment. And with as with many attachments, I think that there are cases when the concept of exile means that you have the idea of Cuba as a place in stasis in your mind that you can return to and almost return things to the past. Imagining like being able to return to your quote unquote land in Cuba and start a life there again. I think that the ideas around that kind of reclamation of exile sometimes erases the changes that happened while you left because maybe a lot of things change while you're gone and you're and there's no way to go back to the world that you left. It just doesn't exist. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And like so it's so important to acknowledge while we recubanify ourselves, while we reacquaint ourselves that we acknowledge that like Cuba on the island, of course, is a moving target. And the identity that we create together is also just constantly changing. We can't just like go back in time uh, in, in any way. I think that's like it's a painful thing for some to know that that the time has passed. But for others like us, where we continue to be like totally curious about what's happening everywhere and what our identity means and what our culture means going forward. It's actually kind of exciting. Definitely. And I think also it introduces that tension of of us wanting to turn to our source for this culture, which is our parents and the older generations that have come here and do feel that sense of attachment that you talked about. Mm -hmm. And so there, there comes this tension where we ask of and they cannot give, not because they don't want to, but because it's just too painful. And within that as well, I think that you and I kind of sweeped in and we're trying really hard to reconnect for our own sake. But it's really beautiful as well that even through our own exploration of that topic itself, trying to reconnect, we have been able to bring together so many of our listeners who've who've come to tell us that they also feel that this podcast helps them reconnect. And number one, thank you so much for telling us that. You might be listening, one of you, many of you who <laughs> many have told that you. to us. You, you, you yes. have probably told that to us. <laughs> this is for you. We love you and Thank you because number one, it's incredibly encouraging. It helps us keep going. But number two, because that that speaks to a larger goal of trying to reconnect to your culture, which is so important. Community is everything. Absolutely. And um, and also we love going on this journey with you of watching you re-embrace music, 
cute, you know, re-embrace Cuba's plight for freedom, re-embrace artwork, your inner too small or too the small. Food. The food, all of it, you know, everything that you re-embrace after having rejected it. Because, you know, I think there's something that happens when a, when a place has a very strong uh, demanding cultural identity. Much, you know, Cubans, we have a very demanding identity, a very like intense identity. So when you feel yourself being like, oh, but hold on, I'm kind of quiet and Cubans are supposed to be loud. Like I'm only sometimes loud, but I'm kind of quiet. And this is a silly example, but a real one. You're just like, am I not Cuban enough because I'm not loud enough? And deciding that, yes, you are, in fact, Cuban enough and that you get to re-embrace and have a, a complex relationship with things on and off the island, that is an important step and an important step that I love watching you take. I love watching ourselves take that because we can put this identity in our own hands rather than having it exist entirely outside of us. It is incredibly brave and incredibly encouraging to watch people who choose to say, I still belong here. I'm still part of this, but also I am not going to subscribe to the constructs that this has imposed because they just don't work for me. Like how absolutely exquisite is it that we get to do that now? And I think that a another point of tension here that I wanted to bring out is how a lot of the reconnecting to the Cubanity is dictated by the source that you were trying to sort of connect your connector to if that makes any sense <laughs> and and that source is incredibly traditional at times if we're looking towards our grandparents if we're looking to our parents if we're looking to the powers that be in Miami yeah, it's gonna be example, out of date you it know? tends to be a little bit out of touch with who we wind up being as young people who are carrying the Cuban baton forward. And so it's incredibly exciting for me to be a part of that generation that says, okay, we're gonna, we're just gonna rethink all of this right now. We can be Cuban and progressive. We can be Cuban and have differences within us. We don't need to all subscribe to the same script. And within the last few years, I think we've all seen a lot of things in this country, in the US, which is where we live. I think we've seen a lot of things that have created a lot of divide and hatred among communities. I love to speak to that divide and almost begin to, to bridge the gap a little bit among the things that do bring us together. But that being said, today we're going to talk about a topic that is quite controversial among our community, and it is the F word. Farts. Okay, everybody knows that the F word is fuck. No, no. For us, I think it's more like food. <laughs> Close. It's feminism. Broom. That's the word. That's the word. That's the F <laughs> Today word. Today we're going to talk folks. about feminism. That's the F word. Yeah. The, yeah. The other ones, they're F words too, but we're not going to focus on them today. No, those F words, they, they're not relevant right now. But the feminism F word, I want to quickly debunk some of the uncomfortable feelings that some of you may be feeling right now as you're listening to this. Because as we said, the F word is feminism. And if you are not uncomfortable by that, amazing. We want to make it clear that we're not talking about the indecency of las mujeres para la calle con las tetas afuera. That is not what we're talking about <sighs> today. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's a manifestation or a way of protesting for rights. And so, but the actual manifestation of feminism in our everyday life is a framework for equality and for justice, given that there's been a power imbalance among 
the genders in the past. Like we are coming from a place of acknowledging how hurtful it has been to people who are women or if you present as a woman, how hurtful it's been to to have less power in many spaces than men do. So it's important to to think about a world where you might not be endangered as a result of your gender, or you might not make less money as a result of your gender. You might have like the opportunities that you want to as a result of your gender. And that concept is a concept that like isn't meant to hurt other people who are not women. <laughs> it's only meant to uplift women so that we can be at a place where we can thrive in this in this society. And it's also so important to acknowledge that like we haven't been at a place where we can thrive for like all of history as we understand it. I would like to ask the question, why is feminism a bad word? Like how did we get to that? Because if feminism is only in pursuit of, of uplifting women, who would say no to that? I think that there's a lot of people out there who do feel threatened by the word feminism who are not bad people and do believe in uplifting women. So it's almost like this stigma around feminism, which is absolutely ridiculous to me. But anyway, here we are. If you feel threatened by feminism, maybe ask yourself why you feel threatened Um, especially if you're not a woman, why you feel threatened by this concept, because it could reveal some that the way that society organizes itself currently benefits you and that you might not want to see these changes. That's one possible reason. Another thing is that like, it's okay. It's actually not about you as an individual. Wherever you are as an individual is one thing, but where society is and how society structures itself is a different thing. So Part of talking about these topics, part of talking about things like feminism and racism and all of these things is that these things have become institutionalized, kind of part of the air that we breathe. They've become embedded in our structures. And so when we're challenging these structures, you know, we're not challenging you necessarily as a man. We're not challenging like we're not saying that it's bad to be a man, but rather it's important to acknowledge the structures that have created a subservient position for women in our society. And how can we work to adjust some of these structures? There is a whole like institutional lens to this kind of thing that isn't isn't your fault just because you're a man. So, you know, it's okay. (laughs) We're talking about larger themes here. We're talking about feminism as a range of ideologies that aim to define and establish the political, economic, personal, and social equality of the sexes. And that means all the sexes, not just female, not just male. It's a framework of equality, a framework of justice, a framework around liberation where all people are free. So... It means that if you are uh, a woman or if you are female assigned at birth or you present as a woman, that you are able to have opportunities to better yourself, that you're able to exist without feeling endangered as a result of your gender or the way you present yourself. And that we're also able to thrive. And so it's so important for us to be able to kind of envision a world that that we can inhabit where feminism, 
is not, not a, a bad, bad word. word. It's not a bad word. Feminism is not a bad word. It doesn't have to mean that we put men in labor cells and only bring them out for breeding once a year or something like that. Like nobody no, wants you'll that. You'll just just go to the internet and find an anime or find like some sort of like special. If you want to read that story, I'm sure it's out there, but it's not what we're looking at. That's not what we're trying to do. We just want to all have the same basic rights and enjoy freedoms. Yeah, but, but honestly, Carmen, like in in like. Without having to say this outright, and we are saying it outright right now, through this whole season and maybe even through our entire podcast, like we're regularly highlighting the kinds of constraints that we can feel even like just as like women being raised in our society, the kinds of constraints that we feel upon the ways that we're like allowed to present ourselves around the ways that we historically have been allowed to or not allowed to participate in government, not allowed to participate um, as much in, in a sphere outside the home. And so there's a lot of these things that we've been kind of touching on that sometimes, honestly, like we don't even intend to touch on them, but they emerge they emerge because when we're talking about society, when we're talking about a revolution, when we're talking about an independence movement, when we're talking about being raised, these things are inextricable from these explanations because the issue is there. And I just want to add to that that this entire podcast, we have gone out of our way to specifically talk about bastions of feminism in the Cubanity, to talk about women, to talk about marginalized peoples at the fringe of what Cuban society winds up being, which, by the way, the fringes are quite wide because literally being anything that isn't okay by the Cuban regime is considered to be wrong. And that is a very narrow sliver of things that you can be that's acceptable. So but putting that aside, we've gone out of our way to identify and tell you a lot of these stories which may or may not come to you as remarkable. I don't necessarily see them as remarkable because they're women. I see them as remarkable because they did remarkable things. But actually, even the concept of singling out women for just being women who did things, to me, feels so wrong. It, I want to see women in the mainstream. I don't want to see women in their own lane. And I hope that the lane that we're on right now is a merger into that larger highway of yeah, the mainstream. Yeah, and this is a highway in Miami. So we're just trying to merge really, we're, we're, we're trying to merge really aggressively as much as we can. Y nadie está dando chances. So yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. No one's giving chances. It. <laughs> like, it's not necessarily a reality just yet. So it is currently important for us to highlight these stories. And it is important for us to to as much as possible describe uh, these lived experiences and so that you can inhabit these perspectives and have empathy. You know what I think, freedom? What? I think that human <laughs> beings naturally like to have categories for things because it helps our brains easily understand our surroundings. And obviously, exposure is really good because it helps us create more little containers for us to put the things around us into so that our brains can like them and understand them better. And I think that that is the fundamental problem when it comes to creating otherness in society. And I think, I think that it is an incredibly personal thing to be able to say, this is who I am. But to go deep into that when it comes to feminism and gender identity, it is incredibly difficult for someone who doesn't understand the question of gender to say, 
okay, I understand that there could be more than what I do understand and what I have boxes for. Right now I have a male box and I have a female box, but I don't have any more boxes. And so when I'm confronted with somebody that doesn't fit into this, I don't know what to do with it. And therefore I'm uncomfortable. And now this is about me versus about this person instead of, okay, here's a person who is first and foremost a person and they get to exist as a person in life. I think you're you're hitting upon a pretty important point. Like the question of, for instance, feeling threatened, scared, and or offended by someone exhibiting like androgynous qualities or someone existing outside of the of the gender boxes, if we can call them that. Well, also the thing about that is that you being uncomfortable by someone's existence mm-hmm. is not it, it doesn't matter. The issue, Live with the discomfort. Yeah, it's like, get, like what's it to you? Like what, like, what I think is more valuable is respecting how incredibly personal it is for someone to be able to sit down and say, okay, society has these boxes, male and female. I don't feel comfortable in either one of those things. Maybe sometimes, some days I feel comfortable in female. Some days I feel comfortable in male. Some days I feel comfortable in this other box that is neither male nor female and doesn't have a label. And none of that is anybody else's business except for you as the decision maker of what you want to do that day and how you feel and what makes you comfortable. And I want to go into that one more step because I want to highlight that there's two ways of looking at gender. There's what society has decided that we all subscribe to. And many, many of us, the majority of people don't have to think about it. If you've never had to had that question or that conversation with yourself in the morning when you get dressed, then you have an immense amount of privilege in the sense that you get to just go about your life and be accepted. And be comfortable. And be comfortable. And everyone is going to receive you. Now, within the Cubanity, even even within those prescribed gender roles, there's an incredible amount of constraint. For example... We talked this season about getting your ears pierced at two months if you're a girl and never having a choice. You just basically come out the womb with the ears pierced. And so currently, the world is actually a more dangerous place for people who are non-binary in their gender expression. They experience more violence and more crimes committed directly against them. And so when we're talking about our own discomfort, Um, and sitting with our own discomfort, we can sit with discomfort if someone expresses themselves in a way that is uncomfortable to us uh, or that we feel uncomfortable about. But if you are non-binary, it's not just discomfort that you're dealing with. You're dealing with violence and aggression and hostility. And so I think that's the main difference, the importance of, honestly, overall, just being able to tolerate difference and and tolerate the uncomfortable feeling you might get when someone does something that's different from what you're used to, sometimes you have to ask yourself, like, I might be uncomfortable, but can that person express themselves without fear of violence? That's really, really, really important to recognize. Or fear of ostracization. Or ostracization. Yeah, fear or of being ostracized. Ostracized. Carmen, try, try that word again. <laughs> or fear of being ostracized. That's Absolutely. a very serious thing as well. Just because nobody's beating you up doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. Uh, people need people. people. People need community. Exactly. And if you're isolated from your community because of your identity, that's a crime against a human being. Like, we are not meant to be isolated. 
If the pandemic didn't teach you that, <laughs> I you don't know. know. We're what not. We're will. not meant to be on our own. So, we're meant to be together. So that's the external expression of that. But I also want to talk about the internal expression of it. To have the freedom and peace of mind, and which only comes by experiencing that sort of acceptance in your environment. To have the freedom and peace of mind to sit there and be able to think through those things safely for yourself. To be able to within your own mind, have enough clarity and enough love for yourself and for those around you to be able to honestly say, this is what I am and this is who I am and this is how I want to present. That is almost something that can't happen until you have that environment, can't happen safely. And so that's what I mean when I think it's incredibly encouraging and brave to sort of witness that sort of starting to happen within our community and to also try to speak to it and be a part of it. Going back to Cuba and going to protests in Cuba for a moment, Luis Manuel Otero Alcantara, who we've loved and we've mentioned many times before, uh, he's part of the Movimiento San Isidro, um, a group of artists that propelled protest movements forward in Cuba. Um, they started their protests because they were protesting some laws that were limiting artistic expression. So at the core of these protests, it was a matter of being able to have the right to express yourself, to make art, and to make art outside of the art that was supported by the Cuban regime, right? And so Luis Manuel Otero Alcantara, one of his initial protests was... Was dressing as a woman, flamboyantly as a woman. We know that's an act of subversion. Otherwise, we wouldn't pay attention to it. Um, we know it's subversive to do it. And I think that it tells us like, like seeing people like bravely put themselves forward in a way that's like outside of our boxes or outside of the boxes that we uh, insist on having as Cubans is a challenge. And those challenges, like especially when we see them in the case of resistance against like the Cuban regime, those challenges are, are, are we, we need to welcome them. So we can't just be in favor of Cuban freedom and Cuban liberation if we're not in favor of Cuban people being free to express themselves. We need to embrace that message as well um, in order to truly be supportive of Cuban liberation. And more than that, because obviously Cuba is a very repressive regime. We can all agree on that. We can all see that. But at large, zooming out a bit, I think one thing that really bothers me is that the message gets lost in the perception of the expressions and manifestations because they have to be so attention-grabbing. If people were out there just walking around being benignly androgynous or being benignly gay, then it wouldn't grab your attention. I mean, it would because obviously we've identified that that is against the status quo. Fine, sure. You have to do things that push the envelope in protests and in art and in modes of expression in order to actually get the attention of people who normally completely discount you or tell you that you don't belong. Here's what I'm hearing, that the content of protests shall not be interpreted as like a full true to life expression of what the people who are protesting want the world to look like. Protests are protests 
because they are often an act of civil disobedience, an act of disrupting of the social order in order to get attention, in order to be able to get the message captured overall and and supported by, by groups of people, or in order to get someone in power to listen to you. So yes, in fact, if your protest is to wear a flamenco outfit and, and have your balls hanging out, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're asking explicitly to be able to have your balls hanging out on a flamenco outfit. This isn't about public indecency, people. That's not what it... Yeah, that's absolutely... Like, what you're saying is that that misses the point entirely because the protest is the art. It's the thing that demands attention. But the message behind that is what we need to be able to uncover without fear of the, uh, you know, of the flamboyancy that a protest will have. Because, you know, (laughs) pride is flamboyant. And it's flamboyant because that is a a very subversive expression in a society that still does not accept too much outside of the cookie cutter. So, dear listener, we challenge you that whenever you see something that might make you feel uncomfortable, ask yourself, is this actually going to affect me? And does this person saying and doing this mean that they could face negative repercussions that you wouldn't for expressing something similar? One. And two, if you are made uncomfortable by something that somebody says, ask yourself if you walk away from that person in that room, would that thing still affect you in a bad way? Probably not, and it never did anyway. But that's the challenge that I I would like to ask everybody. We really, really need to listen to our own emotions, figure out where some of the fear, where some of the anger, where some of the discomfort comes from, sit with it, and then respect other people's desire to to live in the way that they will live. You know, Frida, a while ago, we did an episode called The Cuban-American Dream, where we talked a lot about some of the dreams that our parents had for us versus some of the dreams that we have for ourselves. And I think a lot of the, the things that we spoke about, like I was talking about wanting to have children and all of these things and how we have either accepted or rejected some of the things that are our, our parents wanted for us and how it's incredibly liberating and freeing that we get to choose what things we agree with and what things we want to leave behind. But I continue to think about that, how we get to do that now. And it's incredibly important to be intentional about it. Like question what it is that you want for yourself versus what are the things that society told you women should do because that is who you are. You're supposed to be a woman and therefore this is what women do and this is what men do. Question all of those things. If it doesn't work for you, then don't do it. Woo! Don't do it, baby, if it doesn't work for you. (laughs) And with that, let's introduce our guanismo. That's like when you're explaining something to somebody and then you finally get to the end of it and you want to say like, and that's it, or voila. It's the same thing. Yeah, I think it translates to, and they go and whistle. And so like, imagine you like kind of whistling, walking away and that's the end of the story, right? <laughs> so before before we go, uh, we are very excited that we were shortlisted for an award. Oh my God, for, I'm so excited. Yay! Yeah, the international, international guys. International. Like the whole international Women's Podcast Awards. And so maybe by the time we publish this, I think by the time we publish this, we may or may not know whether we won, but we were it's shortlisted still, for a moment of comedy gold. It's still an honor to even we be were funny. on the list. I didn't know we were funny. Like Never. we're always trying to be funny 
and we're always like super stupid but I never thought that like someone would shortlist us for being funny I honestly I know that there are some things that we do that are funny but it's more like we sit down turn the microphone on and just things come out so as we said at the top of the episode this is our last episode of season four we want to give you all a giant thank you for being here with us as always we honestly we live for whenever you tell us that you we helped you reconnect to your culture we love it when you come and tell us that our podcast helps you get closer to your partners who are not cuban we love it when you send us mail and tell us that we said something wrong so that then we can go fix it thank you we love we just love connecting with our community and i i am most humbled by meeting people who are our age and who tell me that they are so grateful to have a perspective that they feel that they can relate to so thank you so much for your kind words and your continued support we will continue to be Take it easy. I don't know. People constantly ask me like, well, Carmen, until when are you going to do this? And I'm like, I don't know. This is my life now. (laughs) This is my life now. Yeah, we're just going to keep making this, okay? We'll let you know. Keep you posted. So season five is definitely coming. Get excited for it. When? Who knows? But months. (laughs) Give us some time. We're going to take a little break. And uh, we'll definitely get back to you. Thank you so much to our patrons. Lady, Elena, Carolina, Gianni, Vidal, Dee, Derek, Ryan, Jose, Susan, Salia, Lauren, Kaylee, Kristen, Sarah, Karina, Jason, Daniel, Josh, Yvette, Kellison, Jesse. You're amazing. Thank you for sticking it out with us and continuing to support our project. We are also at Take It Easy Pod on social media. If you reach us on Instagram, we often provide updates. We can chat with you and we do occasional lives. You can email us as well at takeiteasypod at gmail.com. Send us your questions, your concerns, your ideas. We love receiving messages from you. So thank you all. Take it, chaser. Take it easy, folks. Thank you. Love you. Take it easy. We love you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.